This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski and Ryan Horvat on the BetQL Audio Network. We're here weekdays, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on the BetQL Audio Network via the Radio.com app, Radio.com Sports YouTube page. And uh, starting today, became official. We are live on 105.9 HD2, uh, the bet in the Chicagoland area for everyone with HD radio. So check us out, check us out there when you're on the move, uh, in your office, wherever. Joe Strowski, Ryan Horvat. Let's bring in Eli Herskovich at Eli Herskovich on Twitter. He co-hosts the BetQLU podcast. He promotes it a lot, much more than this show. And he is the man that has one team alive in his Final Four. How are you doing, Eli? Doing great. Actually, I had a great whoa, weekend. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Where are you, dude? I'm at home. Oh, I didn't know that. No wonder the microphone is. Yeah. Okay. It's a little different. A little different. Um, yeah, bad. But, but yeah, I... um. I had a great weekend, really great weekend betting wise. Brackets in the trash. More importantly, made people a lot of money, made myself a lot of money. It was a good weekend. I feel like you're finally on the same page with me. Just don't even mess around with the brackets. You probably have to do it for tradition sake, but worry about the futures and worry about your bets. Uh, uh, unfortunately, I'm I'm trying not to pick. I'm not picking on you. I swear because Eli and Tom Casale on BetQLU they have crushed it over the first two rounds. And when you make futures bet, when you're taking a big number, you have no idea what the draw is going to be. You have no clue, for the most part, how your team is going to be playing uh, once it gets into the tournament. But yeah, Texas, West Virginia, Rutgers, uh, some rough finishes there. Rutgers should have beat Houston, man. We, yeah. we should we should be dancing about that one. Yeah, it should be getting to the Sweet 16. They just Steve Peichel went to a just a snail offense. They didn't run any offense down the stretch. It wasn't any sort of offensive game plan. They just wanted to run clock. Houston got a, a late bucket and one from Mack, and then Harper misses the three. They could have potentially tied it, but they had their chances. Miles Johnson missed a dunk, and then Jarreau uh, came down at the other end, hit a three that made it a five-point game, five-point swing right there. So it was a tough, tough pill to swallow because I, I, I bet Rutgers against the spread, but, I mean, I put a good amount on that. I thought they were going to have a chance to win the game outright. They were right there up by double digits for uh, – uh, for a little bit of a stretch in the second half. But the Texas game was the most infuriating part of the weekend because mm. 23 turnovers, Matt Coleman, Texas's point guard, played his, played the worst game of his career. It wasn't just Courtney Ramey, who had a bloody nose, sitting on the sideline for the last minute of that game, probably played the worst game of his career too. But for Matt Coleman to turn the ball over seven times against a team that presses a lot and Abilene Christian can turn you over a lot. But that was that was disappointing. I know people want to blame Shaka Smart, but the personnel just didn't have to <laughs> We got Bama today, though, right? We got hopefully uh, we'll have one of our features in the Sweet 16. Right. I'm still optimistic about Bama. Uh, the reports are that Josh Primo, their two guard, is going to come back for the Sweet 16 if they do advance today. I think this nice. is a really good matchup for Alabama. I'm not going to lay the points, but Maryland allows a ton of threes. Alabama shoots a ton of threes. 
this isn't the UConn matchup that I expected. And UConn matches up so much better in terms of a potential upset against Alabama because they could defend the three so well. Eli, what was your biggest surprise from the weekend? Obviously, like, I wasn't shocked that Illinois lost that game. I'm just shocked that they never had a lead in that game and the way that they played. 16 turnovers, they scored 23 points, uh, fewer than their season average. We knew, you know, they're going against a great defensive team. Your thoughts on that one, though, yesterday? Yeah, Brad Underwood got out coached, and yeah. he looked he had no he looked like he had no idea what he was doing on the sideline. Porter Moser, they they blew through every single ball screen. Loyola did. They made Illinois uncomfortable on the on the defensive end, and then offensively, Illinois couldn't guard the ball screen, and Kofi Coburn couldn't guard Cam Crutwig. I thought Coburn was going to absolutely dominate Cam Crutwig. You're talking about one of the most physical bigs in college basketball, and Crutwig is a very finesse big, but he's not super athletic. And Crutwig mm-hmm. held his own at both ends of the floor, and also Loyola doubled Coburn once he got the ball. Illinois couldn't hit shots. Dasunmu looked off. He had a, a okay start to the second half and then kind of just went away from there. Trent Frazier didn't do anything. Adam Miller was one of their better offensive players, which says a lot. Grandison didn't do anything. I was I was very surprised at how quiet Dasumu was, especially when Illinois needed to bucket down the stretch. But that's also a credit to Lucas Williamson, Loyola's wing, who matched up really well and defended really well against arguably the best player in college basketball. Eli, if I'm looking to make a case for anybody but Gonzaga to win the national title, are we back in on Baylor? Like for those that were off the Baylor bandwagon, because yesterday, you know, they shot 47% from three, like they tend to do. And they forced 14 turnovers from a Badgers team that usually takes care of the basketball. Not so much yesterday. Are you back in on Baylor? Yeah, we're there. Even though it was against Wisconsin, even though the Badgers can go and you know this better than anybody go for stretches where they don't score the ball. They just, they had a good second half. Like they were efficient in the second half, but they needed more in the first half against a Baylor team that not only looked apart offensively hit their threes. We we know we're going to get that out of the bears on a game by game basis, but their defense looked like it was before their COVID three week COVID layoff. And I forget who was calling the game yesterday, but he was pretty much saying bluntly that there were three or four players on that Baylor team that had COVID. And they had a week off before the NCAA tournament started after losing to Oklahoma State, going back to the a couple Fridays ago in the semifinal of the Big 12 tournament. Clearly, after what we saw yesterday, they didn't care about that game. They're getting right. They have a week off now before the Sweet 16. You're talking about two weeks off and two games during that stretch where Baylor has a chance and they had a chance to really get back to what they were defensively. And we saw it yesterday against Wisconsin. When this team's on defensively, they could beat Gonzaga, and they could easily win the national title at around plus 400. Joe Ostrowski, Ryan Horvat, BetQL Daily, our guest is our executive producer, Eli Hershkovich here. I think I just set my alarm off on my phone. Um, <laughs> Eli. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. As we're looking through, we'll we'll see what happens today and maybe we have more double digit seeds in the sweet 16 like possibly ohio the winner of ucla Abilene christian uh will be there as well but uh one thing that jumped out to me is when you take a look at this midwest region 
it's happening again, right? Like you, there is a clear path for Loyola to make it to the final four. They've got Oregon state next. And and then if they advance there, they would play the winner of Syracuse Houston. They could easily go to back to the final four. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And I wonder if Porter, I wonder if Porter Moser's going to potentially get that Indiana job because he has coached his way into it. Think about it. He was, Two, he's two years removed from get, from getting the offer from St. John's, turns it down to go to the Big yeah. East. Now he's a chance to probably go to Indiana and build that program back up. There are a couple other coaches in the mix, maybe Chris Beard. I saw his name floated around over the weekend, but Musselman, week. yeah, Musselman in Arkansas. Well, I think he likes it there. I feel like from an offensive standpoint, he can really play his offense. Not that Indiana wouldn't really want to speed the ball up like he likes to coach, but. Porter Moser would be a great fit in the Big Ten. We would get Porter Moser against Brad Underwood again, which would be a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think from I think from uh, the Midwest standpoint, Syracuse still has a chance to come out of that region. As much as people want to hype up Loyola, and you have a right to that Syracuse team, Bob Huggins had faced that zone so many times when West Virginia and Syracuse were going head to head in conference play. West Virginia looked like. It had never, and the players had never seen it before. Buddy Bayheim is shooting like we've mm. a, a player possessed, just unconscious from three in the second half. Was cold in the first half, got a shot to drop in the second half, and it's some big buckets because West Virginia was coming on a couple big runs to potentially take every the lead time. He, every time he shot, like you thought it was going in every time. Yeah, he is one of the purest uh, releases in the country. Alan Griffin, speaking of Loyola, Chicago, Illinois, Alan Gr- uh, Griffin transfers away. From Illinois transfers to Syracuse didn't do much yesterday, but they didn't need him. Dolajai, who feels like he's the new Perry Ellis of college basketball, hit some big buckets. <laughs> uh, Gurrier, one of their bigs, had a big dunk down the stretch. Gerard looked really good, and, and Syracuse fans and college basketball betters were saying, Why is Gerard still Syracuse's starting point guard midway through the season? He had a couple big threes in the first half. I'm really impressed with the Syracuse team, they look like Right now, and it's easy to say this now, but they look like the ACC's best team, even though Florida State's playing uh, later today in the round of 32. Warrens have a shot to come out of that region, too. Eli, what do you like today? I'm really high on Ohio, taking on Creighton, obviously. Uh, looking forward to Oklahoma, Gonzaga, and then USC, Kansas tonight's going to be she, great. Is there anything that you like? You guys look at Horvat. Horvat's trying to give away the lightning bets, which is literally <laughs> in 10 minutes. Well, I don't know if Eli's going to be with us, man. He's, he's, he is. I'll, I'll be here. I'll be here. Okay. Yes, right. He is. So I want to start off with your USC thing because we've seen a lot of line movement or at least a little bit of line movement in the last couple hours. Jalen Wilson, Kansas's wing, he was out for the first matchup because of COVID tracing. Now he's back today. The market is reacting. I still think Evan Mobley dominates this game. And we've seen how good the Pac-12 is in this tournament. You guys were bringing up, rightfully so, how the Big Ten has struggled. The Pac-12... I mean, everybody completely gauged that conference wrong because I don't know how either. You think about the full body of work, and I didn't think the Pac-12 was going to do anything. I still think Colorado could go down to Florida State, even though I'm not super high on the ACC. But Oregon is up by five right now on Iowa. Uh, USC, who I think has a really good shot to knock off Kansas. And now that the line's about a pick, now that it's dropped from USC minus one and a half to a pick after the Jalen Wilson news, which I think is an overreaction. I might end up on USC today too. So that's also one of the biggest takeaways and just going into this card for tonight. And and I mean, Oregon State yesterday with the upset of over Oklahoma State and Kate Cunningham 
as five and a half point dogs. I am so surprised. And I think we're going to see some more surprises, sure. at least in terms of the way the betting market is moving today with, with USC and Kansas. Let's look at the South since we have the Sweet 16 portion all set. Baylor, Nova, Arkansas, <laughs> Oral Roberts. It's just, by the way, kudos to you, man. You, I, I was trying to make the case that maybe we should be giving more respect to Ohio State. They go down in the first round. Oral Roberts, honestly, I was not shocked that they beat Florida last night. Yeah. But what, I, I what's, what's your look? Can anybody beat Baylor? Villanova, I think, in that region is going to have a tough time. As impressed as I was, and I tweeted this out yesterday, I actually didn't get as many, many negative comments as I thought. I think this is Jay Wright's best coaching job, and I get it. He won two titles in three years, but to adjust a week before the tournament after losing your starting point guard, having to redo all of your rotations, having to bring a guy, and they have a five-star recruit from a, about a couple of years ago that hasn't played a ton. He's gotten him to defend now in about a two-week spam. As much as I want to think Villanova can upset Baylor, could at least cover that line. That line is sitting at six and a half uh, for the Sweet 16 matchup this upcoming weekend. I don't see it. I don't see anybody be beating Baylor in this region. As much as Arkansas yeah. wants to push it, we saw their flaws against Texas Tech yesterday in the round of 32 against a physical team. What do you think Arkansas is going to get in the Elite Eight if those two teams match up? arguably the most physical team right now when they're defending like this in college basketball in Baylor. Oral Roberts is not beating Baylor either. And as impressed as I was with Max Eastmas and O'Banner the last couple games, um, I still think Arkansas is going to win that game. So it's going to be a good elite eight if Baylor and Arkansas match up. I just don't think the Hogs have a, have a shot to knock off Baylor. Maybe cover the spread, but not win the game outright. I'm just so mad at myself for fading Jay Wright in the tournament when you give the guy nine days to prepare, even without Colin Gillespie. And then the same thing with Bayheim. Like, I think yesterday, and then Brad Underwood getting out coach for Illinois yesterday. I think it improved, like, just proves how important coaching is again in March. I saw this Syracuse, their third Sweet 16 as a double digit seed since 2016. Why I faded Bayheim makes absolutely no sense. But would you agree <laughs> with that? Guy? Like, I think yesterday proved how important coaching is in the college game again. Yeah, and just in terms of creating mismatches, right? Because I mentioned the 2-3 zone. Yes, it's a patented Jim Beheim's trademark special that Syracuse always runs the 2-3 zone. But that doesn't mean teams are prepared for it when they see it in person. And these players who are, mind you, still 18, 22 years old, still getting used to a, a zone defense. It's not like they're pro basketball players, or at least at this point. And then you have a West Virginia big. As high as I was on West Virginia throughout some of non-conference play and and conference play. Derek Colford looked like he didn't even want to be there yesterday. No. Against that zone, just turning the yeah. ball over left and right. So, yeah, coach, coaching matters. Scott Drew able to get this Baylor defense back up uh, like they were pre COVID. And you might say, okay, with the athletes that they have, at the athletes they have on that roster, it's, it's bound to happen. But that's still an elite level coach. And Jay Wright, too, to your point, they beat Winthrop. Winthrop could expose them with turnovers without Gillespie. Then they beat North Texas, a North Texas team that shot pretty well against Purdue and could also expose Villanova because of their three-point shooting. But Villanova weathered the storm after being down by three early on in that first half. So, yeah, coaching matters. And we saw it with Texas. Shaka Smart, them losing against uh, uh, in, the, in the first round. All right, all right, all right. Hang on, Eli. Um, stay right there. Eli's going to stick around. We've got our lightning bets coming up next, and we'll also uh, continue to break down the these other seven games yet to tip off BetQL From Audio Network. To the ice, we're going to help you put money in your wallet. It's BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski and Ryan Horvat on the BetQL Audio Network.